wondering how to take the first step on your move to Raleigh? The Revision Relocation Cast has got your back. Listen every month for new tips and tricks from relocation experts local to the area. And remember to stay Revision on your short-term trips to Raleigh. Welcome to the Revision Raleigh Relocate Cast, your number one source for relocating to the Raleigh area. I am your host, Claudia Phillips, and today I am joined by Trent Olson, an experienced lender with Town Mortgage of the Carolinas. And we're going to discuss kind of the ins and outs of lending and financing a new home purchase today, um, specifically in Raleigh. Um, But before we get started, Trent, please introduce yourself for our audience. All right, sweet. Well, hey, guys, uh, name is Trent Olson, uh, work for Town Mortgage of the Carolinas. We're a local lender here in the Raleigh area. Um, one of the transplants from the north, as uh, everybody sees people moving down from there. So I'm originally from Long Island, uh, moved down to the Clayton area, actually, um, about six years ago, loving it down here in North Carolina. Been in the mortgage industry for about three and a half years, but been in the financial industry overall for about 12, 13 years. So talking with clients and figuring out what they need help with and questions is what I do all day. (laughs) Awesome. So Trent, how would you describe your role as a lender? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It would be guiding people through the mortgage process, answering questions that they have. What can they afford? What's the max amounts? What is the down payment? So I'm the go-to guy with any questions you're trying to figure out about how to buy a house, what the numbers look like. Um, and I'll guide you through that and, you know, basically can help you with some of the real estate side stuff too, because I've, you know, I'm very involved within that part too. So if there's anything I can help with on that, um, you know, I'm kind of sort of a go-to guy for everything at this point. So speaking of that real estate side, when do home buyers begin talking to lenders during the home buying process? Well, my hope is that they, uh, talk to people uh, lender before they go look at homes, but that's not always the case. Um, typically, what we want buyers to do is say, all right, I'm ready to look at homes. Let me talk to a lender first. Let me understand what sort of a price range, what sort of a monthly payment I want. And that'll really help out um, a buyer understand what to tell their real estate agent. So when the real estate agent asks them, where are you trying to end up? What sort of a price range? They already know what they can or cannot afford. Um, so it really helps sort of the real estate agent guide them. Now, typically in this market, because everything's moving so fast, I mean, I may get to a buyer, they've seen a home, they want to put an offer in and they want to know if they can do it. So um, both, both points are before and right away. So, but typically it would be best if you can get to somebody before you actually start looking at homes. Right. So basically step zero. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So as a lender, um, what are you looking for in a home buyer's portfolio or application or just general finances? Yeah, um, and I structure my conversation around these four main, main points. First thing we're going to look at is your credit score. And uh, your credit score is going to tell me everything from loan products available to the down payment needed to what your interest rate is to um, if you're approvable or not. So that credit score really plays a huge role in everything. Um, after we talk about your credit, we look at your income. You know, where does your income come from? How long have you been at your job? Are you W-2, 1099? So that whole conversation goes into play of what your actual income is. From there, we look at your debts on your credit report and kind of see, you know, how does your debts match up with your income to see if you can afford the house that you want. Um, and then the fourth and well pivotal aspect of this too is savings. There are amount of money you have for a down payment for whatever else we need it for, where is it located, 
Um, and you know, how much of that do you really want to use? Those are really the four main points. And then outside of that, we'll ask for, you know, who else is on the application? Do you have any negative factors like foreclosures, bankruptcies, any divorces? So it's really a glimpse um, at your life. So we end up learning a little bit more than I think some people want us to, looking at bank statements and asking questions, but it all makes uh, the job much easier for us to make sure that we can get them to the finish line. So you actually mentioned some things like um, bankruptcy or divorce or foreclosures. What are some of the other kind of red flags that a lender could come across when they're approving an application? And what are some good remedial steps for applicants to kind of spruce up their um, their portfolio? Yeah. Um, so really that, that first part, which is credit, right? So if you're coming in with what you think is a weak credit score, so let's say, let's say below 640 is a start, right? Now you can get approved below 640, but it just makes it a little bit tougher. That first thing should just go and, you know, go ahead, pull a copy of your credit report and understand what's going on with that so that you can explain to the lender, well, I have these collection accounts, I know what they're from, or I can pay them uh, because that credit's going to play such a big role. So you may want to get ahead of that. The other thing, like I said, too, divorces, um, unfortunately, usually play a role in that credit part because a lot of times credit gets kind of wrecked a little bit there but also ownership of homes and just making sure that both parties are amicable, what stage of the divorce they're in um, plays a big role there. And then bankruptcies and foreclosures, um, there's a certain time limit you gotta wait till you can even be considered for a mortgage. Um, so based on the paperwork that we can get, it may say, well, you gotta wait two or three years from the time it was finished and even to, in order to even get approved at all. Um, so, that, so that may push back a timeline a little bit depending on that. Moving from, I guess, this the down and dirty specifics of how to secure a loan, yep. we could take a step back and ask, well, let's talk about these loans in specific. So what are the different types of loans, uh, mortgage loans, and who qualifies for each? So really your most common loan, which I would say is about 80, 85% of loans closes what we call a conventional loan. Um, conventional loan just means it's non-government backed. Um, it's the most typical loan because there's no upfront fee to use it. Um, when people talk about putting 20% down, that's when that private mortgage insurance disappears. Um, and it's typically the cheapest over the life of the loan. And one of the easier loans to get closed in terms of what the real estate world thinks. Um, everybody wants to see a conventional loan right now. Um, they think the appraisal is easier to pass and they just think generally the loan is easier to close. So you want to try and go for a conventional loan. Typically, you know, you 660, at least a 660, 680 credit score you want. But really, if you want to really take advantage of the program, getting over 720, 740 as a credit score is where you want to be. Um, hopefully, people don't think 20% down payment is what you need anymore, which is not the case. Conventional loans, depending on your situation, can do as little as 3% down. Wow. Um, yeah. So really helps people out with the cash part. Some of your other types of loans, you got FHA, which is a government-backed loan, um, really designed for clients who have a lower credit score or something where their credit score is a little sloppy. They have some late payments or some negative factors on there. It will allow people to get approved without penalizing them too much. Um, that's a 3.5% down payment, uh, but does come with some fees in order to use the program. And that private mortgage insurance has got a little nuance where it doesn't disappear off the loan. So it's a good program for the right type of people. Um, some of the other loans, you got USDA. USDA is 100% financing. 
Um, so it can help some, you know, really help some people out, but it does come with income limits and it has to be within a certain area. Um, so definitely you want to talk with a lender to see if that's something that fits you. Um, and for our veterans out there, of course, we have the VA loan or, um, which is a great program for them, 100% financing, no PMI, typically the lowest rates out there for products. Um, so a great program if you are a veteran and, uh, you know, it's a great way for us to thank them for their time being spent. Absolutely. So when uh, among these several types of loans that you've just laid out for us, are there any within them, are there any first time homebuyer benefits and how would you claim those? Yeah, great question. Um, so like USDA, it's not really a first time homebuyer program, but usually caters towards first time homebuyer programs because of the income limits. So that's that 100% financing, no down payment. And then depending on what lender you talk to, not every lender participates in every type of first-time homebuyer program. Um, the main one that I participate in is through North Carolina Housing and Finance Agency. Um, basically, got to be a first-time homebuyer and make uh, a certain income limit according to their standards per county. Um, and you can get either an $8,000 grant to help cover closing costs and down payment, or you can get 3 or 5% of the loan amount as a down payment assistance um, to help cover some items. Um, okay. Now, typically with first-time homebuyer programs, there will come with some caveats, typically higher interest rates um, because you know they gotta, they, they're, they're giving the money, so they got to pay themselves back somehow for taking the risk. So you may have some higher interest rates, but in some people's cases, that's what gets them into the house and that's what's the best thing for them. Um, so it's not always a bad thing. It's just per client, what fits their needs the best. Seems like there are a lot of options, kind of no matter what you look like when you're trying to buy your first or second or whatever home. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm going to move on to a different question. Actually, I'm going to ask you how an appraisal works and why it's it's important in this market in Raleigh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I'll I'll, I'll piggyback on that too and kind of go over a little bit of the process too of buying here in Raleigh, especially those people moving out of state, because we are completely different than most states when it comes to buying a home. Um, so first thing is, is that typically in other states, you get a contract, an accepted contract, and then you can go ahead, you can get your appraisal, get your inspections, right. And then if something comes back from the appraisal or the inspections, you can say, I don't want this house anymore. And you'll get your money back. Well, North Carolina doesn't work like that. Um, so right. one of the main things that goes along with North Carolina contracts is what we call due diligence money. And due diligence money is money you give the sellers at the time of an accepted contract. So as soon as you accept the offer, you give them this money, which depending on the area, depending on the house, could be as high as three, three to 5% of the purchase price. And that due diligence money basically is a security deposit to the sellers that states, I'm not leaving this transaction. I'm going to get to the end here. Um, I really want this house and I'm going to work with you as much as I can. That deposit is non-refundable unless something dramatic happens. The seller forgot to disclose something wrong with the house, but it is non-refundable. So if you back out because of any part of the transaction, you actually lose your due diligence money and you don't order your appraisal. You don't get your inspections until you sign that contract and you give them the due diligence money. So um, a little bit different than some other states freaks people out a little bit that, oh my God, I got to give these people X amount of money before I even know what's going on with the house. Um, now, typically some people get nervous. Well, what happens if the house is going to fall down? 
or I find something majorly wrong on the inspection or the appraisal comes in really short. Um, typically, if there's something really wrong with the house, the sellers and the buyers will try and work it out. Um, I've never really seen it where somebody just backs out and says, too bad, you gave me money, I'm out, right? Uh, that's never really happened before. The two parties try to agree and get to a, a spot where they can fix it because you know, those sellers understand that you know, if they're on the other side and something's wrong with a house, they don't want to be left with a house that's got all these problems. Um, so there's sort of that unspoken word that people will work together in order to fix the house up. Um, but you still want to be strong with that due diligence. And to get back to your question was the appraisal part, right? So now we've given these sellers all this money and we order an appraisal and let's put a scenario out there. Let's say the, let's say you, let's say the home's listed at 400,000 and you offer 420,000 to win the home, which is pretty typical in this market that you have to go over list price. Um, let's say that client is putting down uh, 5%. So if you do 420 and you multiply that by 95% there, their loan amount is 399. So if they're putting 5% down, one of, the, one of the ways we judge your worthiness is your loan to value. So if you put down 5%, you still owe 95% of the house. So your loan to value is 95%. If that appraisal comes back at list price of 400,000, of 400, you very well may need to cover the difference of the appraisal and the contract price in order to get to closing. So one of those big conversations you should have with your lenders is what happens if the appraisal comes in short? Do I have to cover the difference or not? Um, there are many scenarios when you don't have to cover the difference. Basically, if you're putting down enough money, if you're putting down 20% and the appraisal comes in 5% short, you have nothing to worry about. You don't have to worry about covering the difference in the appraisal. There's just some aspects of your loan that may change. So that, que that, that question with the lender, am I approved even with a short appraisal needs to happen because if people come in and they have the very bare minimum to qualify, it makes it real tough to feel comfortable to put an offer that actually wins. Exactly, exactly. Um, so furthermore about Raleigh in specific, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Um, so for interest rates, <laughs> what do we see the forecast as uh, locally? Well. You've caught us in a, a wild time in interest rates, actually. Um, the movement up has just started. So I would say by the first, it started moving up. Um, and in regards to a lot of different scenarios, first, some Fed policy changes. Uh, that 10-year treasury bond um, is what to look at when it comes to changing interest rates, gives a good indication of what's going on. Um, that 10-year treasury bond is an indication of the U.S. economy. So Typically, during COVID, you saw rates tank. Well, because the U.S. economy tanked, right? Um, before COVID started, we were about 45 to 5%. Then all of a sudden, the COVID came and people were getting rates at 2.5%, which was uh, never heard of before. Yeah. Um, so as the economy is recovering at this point, we're seeing a definitely a rise in, in interest rates. And one being the Fed policy that they're no longer going to pump money into treasuries um, which they were to keep them low because they think the economy is recovering and inflation is skyrocketing. So one way to combat inflation is to raise rates of borrowing. Um, so we've seen that happen. Um, we've seen almost a half a percent increase in a couple of weeks here. 
Um, so we're closer to like 3.625, three and a half, uh, depending on your lenders out there, which is still in the, in the grand scheme of things, super low. Um, you know, we always talk about mom and dad getting, you know, interest mortgage rates at 12%. Um, <laughs> um, so we are now no longer there, but the question is how fast will we move up? Because the real estate market has played such an important role in the economy. We can't have interest rates go up too quickly. Then it's going to devastate the economy because people are going to stop buying homes with rates jumping exactly. up so quickly. Um, but the trend is definitely up. Um, and I would say at this point, I mean, seeing low fours at some point next year, um, maybe even creeping into the high threes, low fours this year is not out of the question. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a delicate tightrope for um, lenders and buyers and, and sellers alike. Um, do you have any other insight into the Raleigh market that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Raleigh is a very unique market right now. Um, you know, it's been on the Forbes top five list to move to I've probably for what, 10 years straight, maybe even more. And right. that influx of people and that influx of business has really started taking, taking hold, I think, in the past couple of years here. Um, so, I mean, there's a forecast again of Raleigh homes going up another 15 to 20% this year, um, wow. in value, which is ridiculous. That it is. should not go up this much. <laughs> um, you know, that's like beating stock market gains at some points. And that's not what the housing industry is for, yeah. right? It's supposed to be slow and steady, you know, give, give me three to 5% per year, but because of everyone moving here, the market is still on the rise. So, um, it's still a good investment to come in here. Rising prices are definitely happening, but that doesn't mean that you're buying at the top. I don't think anyone knows where, where the top is right now. Um, we have too many companies coming in here where um, everybody still wants to come to Raleigh. So are we at the top? I don't think so. Um, does that mean you go in and spend way more than you should on the house? No, but if you pay a little bit more than you think you should, you're still, I think, gonna be in great hands because of the way the market's going. You just have to have some knowledgeable people around you, meaning your real estate agent and your lender. It really matters. You don't, you don't want that real estate agent that just opens up the door and says, here's a home, look at it. Do you like it? That's not the agent you want. You want the agent that's going to go in there, is going to go in the crawl space. It's going to look at things. It's you know, going to talk you out of trying to buy the home. This is why you shouldn't buy the home. Somebody who's knowledgeable knows because each market's a little bit different. Durham is different from Wake County. Johnson County is different from all the other counties. So each county also operates a little bit differently now. Um, so definitely get that person that you trust, not someone that just opens doors. Absolutely. And to round out our conversation here, um, going back to the point you made about having, you know, good people in your corner when you're making such a huge financial undertaking, um, what makes a good loan officer and how would you spot them as a home buyer? Uh, his name is Trent Olson. I think that's a good way to figure it out here. Um, no, no. <laughs> um, the one and only. <laughs> no, there are, no, there are a lot of good lenders out there, but unfortunately in this industry right now, because there's so much going on in the real estate market, you will run into people who don't know what they're doing because everyone's trying to get in and think it's easy to make a buck. Um, so a good loan officer is not somebody that just takes orders and says, all right, you, you tell them you want to buy a $400,000 home with 20% down. What are the numbers? And then they just spit back information right. to you. That doesn't help anybody. Um, it's really going to come down to someone who provides more information than you think you need, you know, has this conversation that we're having, understand the market, understand what an appraisal can and cannot do. Where are you buying? What sort of money should you expect to be putting down? And also to have extra. 
um, as well as somebody that answers the phone immediately because you may see a, yes. <laughs> see a house on Friday, it's gone on Saturday. And if you don't have any, a loan officer that's working, unfortunately, at nights and weekends, you're going to miss out on homes that you want to. So that communication part is huge. Um, and you really know how good your loan officer is when you actually go under contract. Because when they have to get all this work done, verify information, there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes. And if they're not moving their butts, um, you know, getting that 25 to 30 day close that's required a lot of times here in North Carolina will not be done. Um, some lenders can't even do a 30 day close. So they should be telling you that upfront that, hey, I can't do a 30 day close, we're at 45 days so that you know, maybe I can't use this lender because you can't close me in time. Um, so upfront information is huge from your loan officer. Well, that was all very good to know. And it seems like you would be the Trent for the job. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, Trent, thank you so much for talking to us today, especially all this expertise about, um, you know, just the local, uh, the local environment and how that is going to be looking in 2022, because, um, you know, we've spoken to some people before who are hoping that, you know, this was the year that things were going to be less volatile, but <laughs> very <laughs> insane to me that, you know, we're still going to be seeing those, um, those prices skyrocketing, uh, even over the course of this year, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, everybody said the spring market doesn't start till March or April. Well, the spring market has already started this year. It feels um, like the spring so, market has been since last spring. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's actually been a spring market for years now. So yes, you're yes. absolutely right. That, Claudia. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Trent. Uh, before we go, give the audience a little reminder of who you are and where you're from. Yeah, absolutely. So Trent Olson here with Town Mortgage of the Carolinas, you know, here local in the Raleigh area. You can Google me if you want. Give me a call, personal cell. I mean, I'll put it on here, 631-655-6668. So you can call me, text me, any questions, be willing to help out. All right. Thank you so much again, Trent. And definitely give him a call and text. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Claudia. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Revision Raleigh Relocation Cast with your host, Claudia Phillips. To support the podcast, follow Revision Raleigh on the web and stay Revision on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Revision Raleigh is your number one short-term apartment accommodation in Raleigh, North Carolina. Stay for 30 days and experience the value of comfort and luxury at Revision Raleigh's corporate apartments. 